CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It is Friday, so that means it is time for Options Action. I'm Brian Sullivan, in for Melissa Lee tonight. Here's what we've got coming up, as always, live here at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Healthcare. When it's top of mind, it should be at the top of your trading radar. Tonight, Carter Worth highlights a new name that you might not have picked up yet on your screen. Then, healthcare is just one part of what all consumers need. Mike Coe looks at how to safely get bullish on all the other bare necessities. Finally, meta. Tony Zhang thinks the virtual world needs to come back to reality. It's time to risk less to make more. Options Action starts right now. All right, welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Friday. Hope you had a great week and a good end to your week. We are not quite done yet because we've got a lot to do in the next 30 minutes. And let's talk health care. Because while COVID still gets all the headlines, let's not forget, there are a lot of other really bad things out there that medicine and science will need to treat. And the healthcare sector is big. And it's also divided in terms of its winners and losers and types of companies. Tonight, Carter Worth is highlighting one winner that you might not have even heard of yet. Carter. Yeah, we thought we'd look at uh, managed care stocks, but un- sort of not to say unknown one, but we all think of United Healthcare or Anthem. I want to focus on Centi and CNC. Let's look at a couple charts. The first, just to put this in perspective, how badly this uh, stock is underperforming. You're looking at three lines. The winner, of course, is a three-year chart comparative is the S&P 500, up 88%. The middle line is the S&P 500 healthcare sector, and the trailing behind line is Centene, up only 35, less than half of the S&P. But the setup here and now, Centene itself is excellent. By my work, look at the next chart. So you can draw your lines many different ways. This is one way to draw the lines. But just today, we gapped up. Uh, moving above those well-defined tops at the 75 level. You can call that a head and shoulders. Bottom, look at the next chart. It's identical time frame. You can draw the lines this way, which is to say an ascending wedge and, again, breaking out. Now, the important thing about that top line, that's the 75 level. Look at the next chart. This is now going back two years. Look at the authority of the 75 level. Let's go to the next chart. The stock has been mired at 75 for almost four years, and we are just now breaking out above those well-defined tops. The final chart, going back a long way, some 10 years, shows the formation in and how important it really is. Is this stock worth more or less than it was three and a half years ago as an enterprise, as a business, in principle more? And so when you consolidate like this, it represents a multiple compression. And at some point, it gets too cheap and it breaks out. I think that's exactly what's going on here. Centene, CNC, not a name that we talk about very much at all, but of course we will now. And so let's talk about how to trade this in a way. And, and again, one thing I love, Mike, about doing this show is I get to learn as well. I am no options master whatsoever. 
A call diagonal. That's your call and that's your trade here. What are we doing? How do we make money off CNC options? Yeah. So, I mean, one quick point, you know, obviously Carter has a bullish uh, technical view. And, you know, normally his when he makes a forecast, we're looking out 60 to 90 days. I'm trying to look out at least a half a year. The reason for that is we have an activist investor in here. Now, we do have a lot of uh, compression in terms of valuations. It's trading about 15 times year earnings is going to make over just a little over five bucks a share this year. And this is a consistent but very low margin business. Their margins are just over 2%. But their competitor, Molina, has margins of over 3%. The company itself is saying that by 2024, they might expect margins in the 3.3% range. And that activist, Clinton Coffey, former D.E. Shaw, Elliott Management, Senator, and a couple other places, he's put $900 million into this thing, which is about 2% of the company. And he obviously wants to see that happen as well. This thing could be trading something like nine times 2024 earnings if they manage to get those margins up where they're talking about. And we see the same kind of revenue growth. So I was looking at the June 80 calls. Those were about $7.10 when I was looking at those. And then selling the January 85 calls against it, collecting about $1.15. Net net spending about $5.95 for this now. For a stable business, you might think that some of these options are looking a little bit pricey. The fact that there's an activist involved might help account for that. And usually with diagonals, we're looking to spend uh, the distance between the strikes or less. You're trying to target that upside strike by the first expiration if you get it. But it would have to blow through that quite significantly for this to see losses to the upside. So we're trying to take advantage of accelerated decay in that near dated option while getting some longer dated optionality in this name. And I do think that the stock itself represents quite a considerable value. And I expect that having an activist involved does create a bit of a floor under it as well. Right, interesting price points there, 77 and 108. Uh, Mike, thanks very much. Tony, your take on that call diagonal, Mike's trade on Centene. Yeah, I think this is one of those prime examples where I think the technicals and the fundamentals line up really well. Carter's charts shows you the breakout opportunity and the potential catch up to its sector. But as technicians, we usually say we're in the business of what and not why. But when we look at the company guidance from today, I think it really tells a strong story for the potential breakout, for this breakout and why it might continue, especially if we look at that margin compression that Mike was talking about. We've had 18 straight quarters of trailing 12-month revenue growth, but EPS growth is really nowhere there over the past 18 quarters. And now the guidance from this year, from this morning, goes out to 2024. They're really focused on that EPS growth and that margin expansion. I think that's one of the reasons why I think fundamentally you have a good story for this catch-up play. Now, if you look at Mike's diagonal spread, I particularly like the fact that he's going all the way out to June, buying himself some time because these types of fundamental turnaround stories take time. And that's exactly what he's doing with this diagonal spread. And especially with the news announcement this morning, I think there's a low chance that he's going to see a big breakout to the upside mm -hmm. between now and the January expiration. So I think the diagonal spread here makes a lot of sense. All right, we'll move on from there, but we're going to stay with Tony. All right, let's get a little meta, meta platforms. By the way, the company formerly known as Facebook. Well, it may have a new name, but Tony says it is still going to be the same old underperformer. You've got a call spread, and it looks to me fairly short-term. Tony, talk about the trade. 
Yeah, exactly. So I think the both the consumer and regulatory headwinds are fairly well known here for Meta or Facebook. And I think currently the strength we've seen here over the past few days is an opportunity to fade that particular strength. So if we look at the charts here, looking at a longer term chart, the stock is essentially back to its August 2020 highs around 300, 305 or so. And if we zoom in here, since the September highs, the stock has been in a downtrend. Again, the consumer and regulatory headwinds that we're currently facing on this particular stock. And we're certainly currently at the top end of that channel. I simply think that we're headed back to that 300, 305 level here in the short run. But more importantly, the most important chart I think that we should pay attention to here is Facebook relative to its sector, the technology sector. It printed a new six year low relative to its sector here today. That really shows us kind of what is ahead here for this particular stock, underperforming its sector by a significant margin. And if we want to take a look at the options itself, the implied volatilities here are fairly elevated. The implied volatilities are about a 25% uh, rank. So when I looking at trade structures here, I want to use I want to take advantage of this elevated implied volatility. So I'm going out to January and I'm selling the 300 355 call spread. That's a $25 wide call spread. Then I'm collecting $13.5 on the January 330 calls, and I'm paying about $4.70 on that 355 call. Net net here, I'm collecting about $8.85 for this $25 wide credit spread. That's about 36, 37% of the width trying to play for what is a short-term move here to the downside, fading this uh, strength we've seen here over the past week. Okay, definitely not a lover of Meta. Tony, your or, uh, Mike, your take on Tony's trade. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. The challenge with Meta or Facebook, if we want to continue to call it that, is that, you know, this is a stock that just on, on the numbers looks cheap. Obviously, we know that they have some regulatory headwinds, but if it's trading around 20 times mm -hmm. forward, I mean, that's pretty remarkably cheap for a company like this. The implied volatility, that's the price of options, is relatively high. I have a feeling that if I was looking at this, that it doesn't have a lot of upside because of its headwinds on the regulatory side, concerns about their business practices. On the downside, I think there's probably going to be some measure of support, maybe not right here, but a little bit lower, just based on the fact that the valuation looks a little bit cheap. And if it does dip, I would consider selling some put spreads to take advantage of that elevated premium and maybe leg into an iron condor or sell out of that call spread, or excuse me, buy it back at a profit and put in the uh, credit put spread if you see that move. The old iron condor reference. I had the under. I lose that bet. Uh, Carter, have you had any? I don't want to throw you on the spot. Any chance to chart out Facebook slash Meta? Well, sure. Some of the big ones, you know, you have it in your mind's eye. I mean, key here is how it bounced off the 300 level. Considerable support bounce. And the question is, does it revisit that level? But a 22% sell-off to a level of support, a to-the-penny bounce off that level, and now back at the 330 level, um, options is the way to do this. That's that's the most important point. There you go. And that is the options trade. We're going to move on because remember this, folks, and you've heard this a lot, but I'm going to say it again. For everything options action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter, but we're not done on the show. Here's what's coming up next. Still to come, the indirect benefits of using options to play the consumer. Mike Coe explains why something they lack can still benefit you in the end. Plus, 
Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Options Action. And let's talk about you, the American shopper, because for obvious reasons, this time of year, the consumer is king. But consumers could also be a big deal in times of volatility. Professor Mike Coe explains in tonight's call to action. Mike. Yeah, so uh, I realize this is the season for consumers. You know, one of the areas that, of course, you're going to continue to buy things is in consumer staples. Uh, We're talking about soap, toothpaste, toilet paper, that sort of thing. Now, when you're thinking about staple stocks, they have a couple characteristics. One, they tend to have lower volatility than some other areas of the market. The other is that they tend to have higher dividends. The combination of those two uh, characteristics means that they also typically have lower call premiums because if you buy call options, you don't get a dividend, whereas if you buy the stock, you would. So taking a look at Staples as a sector, one of the interesting things that we're seeing is that the multiples here really have not expanded all that much. We see, have seen large margin expansion in the PE of the S&P, but meanwhile, consumer staples have remained relatively constant. Now, one reason someone might expect that to be the case is they might think, well, consumer staples don't see the same kind of revenue or profit growth. But in fact, it might surprise folks that the revenue growth for staples has been about 85% of that of the S&P overall over the course of the last 10 years. And earnings per share, uh, the earnings that you would get if you own the sector index or if you own the sector index ETF, have increased nearly 90% as much. So we're looking at about 5.4% year-on-year earnings growth versus about 6.1% for the S&P over that time frame. But you'll also notice, if you keep your eye on this chart, that it tends to be much more stable. These are attractive characteristics. And obviously, over the course of the last couple of weeks, we've seen increased volatility. This could be an attractive place to be. So I think the simple thing to do here is just look out to June and simply buy an at-the-money call option. When I was looking at this earlier today with this with the sector ETF, which is XLP, the 74-strike June call was just over $2.80. So you're risking a very small amount to make essentially a directionally bullish bet here. Now, I would say that if you happen to own XLP, uh, which is collecting a 2% dividend, this is a different way to play it because, of course, you're not looking for yield. You're looking for capital appreciation. But what I'm thinking here is that we might see a little bit of catch-up. If rates remain low, and we have actually seen the 10-year rate not expand that much despite all of the inflation data that we're getting, that is a way to play for some margin expansion or just to see the share price increase as a function of its natural growth. All right. Good stuff there. So, Carter, do the charts, do the technicals support that play? Well, they do. And uh, just as depicted in the top of the hour, I have really the same charts. Let's look at two of them. This is the first. It's the XLP, which captures the S&P 500 consumer staples sector. Now, it's important to note that despite having dozens of stocks, 
five stocks are basically 50% weight. You've got Coke and Pepsi, Procter and Gamble, Costco, Walmart. And it, it's breaking out. Look at the second chart, it's a little bit longer term, but uh, it, it sold off to trend, it bounced beautifully to the penny, and it is now moving above its prior high. It's the definition of a bullish chart. Tony, what, do you have a critique or a compliment maybe on this consumer play? I don't think the XLP has gotten more love in any show in history. Yeah, I have a few thoughts here. I mean, first of all, the charts really line up with this breakout here. The, uh, the ETF has been range bound between 70 to 74 for the better half of this year. So the fact that we have this breakout now is significant for it from a timing perspective to outright buy a call option, which is usually quite sensitive to timing, um, especially if you look at the big names in this ETF like Procter & Gamble and Pepsi. These multinational conglomerates, they've been able to show their an extreme ability to navigate the supply chain issues that we're currently seeing right now and actually gaining market share right now. And that's really what I think is attractive about XLP at the moment. Uh, you know, the stable revenues and their earnings in, in this time of volatility and uncertainty, I think this is really the flight to safety and quality investors are seeking. And like I said, using a, buying a call option, it's always tricky because you're paying premium and that premium is decaying as you're holding onto this. So you really have to get the timing right. So the fact that we've identified a breakout at this particular time, I think is the right time to buy a call option. Normally, I'd like to use a spread on something like XLP that is underperforming the market significantly, but the call premiums on, on the upside is not very much. You're not collecting much. So I do think in this particular case, the outright buying the call option is the right strategy. Okay, Mike, we'll give you a final thought on your own trade after you heard from Carter and Tony. Yeah, I mean, the important thing to think about, $2.80-ish for that call option, which is about $0.20 cents in the money as of the market close, represents less than 3.8% of the current underlying share price and gives you basically time out until oh. June expiration. You're going to have a decent amount of time to decide whether this trade is working for you or not. If you get the move, you'll be able to monetize it. If you don't see it within the next uh, month or two, you're not going to lose all of that premium and you'll be able to unwind this. All right, good stuff there, everybody. Thank you. All right, up next, we're going to break out the Wayback Machine. Well, all the way back to last week, because we're revisiting a trade on an EV play as well. More options action right after this short break. Stick around. All right, welcome back. Well, last week, Carter and Mike had Tesla taking a hit. Listen. Often after breaking out from a well-defined top at a common level, you'll check back to it. And so if you simply take the highs from which the stock gapped up on the Hertz news, that uh, gets us back to the 9-10 level. I was looking at the January 1100-1120 call spread. Now, this is where I'm talking a little bit about how much capital you want to allocate, because even though this stock is $1,000 a share, you can find smaller ways to make bearish bets. Well, since then, shares have indeed pulled back. But what gear may be next? Carter, we'll go to you first on this, then get, uh, get word from Mike. What do you think? Well, we had a nice crack there, uh, really aggressive, down 6 7%. But to be fair, Tesla has bounced back. Ultimately, the question is, is this period of distribution, selling, whatever you want to characterize it, is it over? I think not. I think we're still going down to about 900, 910. Okay, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, so the call spread we sold has collected about a dollar week over week, which is okay. Here's the important thing to remember, though. We've had some big insider selling. Some of that is probably tax-related because 
Elon had some options. He has to pay taxes on those options because he had to exercise them. Otherwise, they would expire. And I think that helps create some pressure into the end of the year. If we see uh, this come in another three bucks or so on the call spread, I'd probably cover it and take my profits then. Yeah, Carter, seeing maybe 100 bucks more in downside. All right, up next, your tweets and the final call. All right, let's start to wrap it up. Welcome back. Time now to take some of your tweets and our first viewer asks, how is the XBI biotech ETF looking now? Kind of, Carter, so bad, it's good. It sure comes to mind. You're talking about being down 39%, peaked in February. It's a great ETF with 190 tickers. No one's bigger than 2%. I think it is so bad, it's good. All right, our next viewer asks, our old friend... Alibaba has been trading like a steel mill. It's about to go out of business for about a year. To me, it felt like a big volume capitulation on December 3rd. I see an unfilled gap around 150. Do the traders like targeting that gap for a bounce? And if so, what is the trade? Mike, why don't you answer the world's longest viewer question, but a good one. That's uh, a good question, and it's a long question for a reason, because it's a long story with all the Chinese stocks, including Alibaba, which by any other uh, market would look exceptionally cheap, but of course, these Chinese headwinds could persist for some time. Options are also quite expensive here, I would point out. The straddle that expires in March is more than 20% of the stock price, so you'd probably best target that upside with a call spread or something like that to mitigate the high expense. But the Chinese headwinds, they're going to continue for a while, I think. Okay. Our next viewer asked this Thoughts on Microsoft making all time highs the coming weeks? Please. And thank you, Tony. They're so polite. We have to take the question. Yeah, I like Microsoft, especially if you look at the stability of the Azure cloud growth here, uh, alongside with the, uh, the migration over to a higher multiple business, the, the Office 365 cloud business, and cu couple that with the margin expansion. I think this justifies the multiples that Microsoft is trading at. I think it justifies further upside. I will use a call spread or a call diagonal to play for further upside so that I can mm -hmm. reduce my exposure if there is a pullback from that all-time high. Okay, 20 seconds for the final call. Let's go, Carter. Centina, defensive stock acting mm. offensively. Tony. Facebook, fade the strength using a call spread. AK Meta. Mike. Staples, I like them. The consumer, not the, not the retailer. <laughs> That's right. All right, Carter, Tony, Mike, thank you all for taking it easy. I mean, thank you for all for watching Options Action. We'll see you. Right here next Friday, 530 Eastern. Don't go anywhere. Mad with Jim starts right now. Have a great weekend, everybody. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.